Listen, before we jump right into this, I want to just briefly tonight kind of do what I've been doing. I've been trying to just kind of comment on things going on in the news since we are in Revelation. It is a book concerning the end of the age, the rapture of the church, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've just been kind of talking just briefly, you know, sometimes a little longer than other times of things going on in the news, things that line up with those signs that the Lord said to look for, you know, that will mark the end of the age and his second coming. And we'll look at one of those actually in our text here when it comes to deception and so forth. And even, you know, the scripture talks in the end of the age, the time will come when so many will shun the scriptures and just, you know, want to listen to fables and have their ears tickled and so forth. And we'll kind of tie into the spirit of Jezebel that we read about that is in this church of Thyatira. But, you know, you look around and, and it's interesting. Here we are since last week and we still see uh, this. I don't know if they're calling it a war yet, but it pretty much if it's not a war, it looks like a war with Israel and these Palestinians, which really make no mistake about it. It's not Israel and Palestine. It's Israel against Hamas having missiles supplied by Iran. And, uh, you know, what? I, I kind of chuckle at it because you see, you know, what scripture being fulfilled and that the word speaks of in the last days that God would regather Israel, you know, what to her land that has been deeded by God to her. So you need to know that when individuals say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's Palestine. That doesn't belong to them. God said this land belongs to you. And in fact, in fact, their borders are far broader and they will broaden. We read in the scripture before the coming of the Lord. But the scripture says that she would be like fire and her enemies would be like wood, hay, and stubble. And this isn't to say that the Lord does not love even the Palestinian people and those people in those nations around Israel who, you know what, hate her. And, uh, you know what, in, in, in their Islam, they cry out for her to be completely destroyed. They call her the little Satan and they call our nation the big state Satan. So you need to know that. Uh, but that land's been deeded to her. And we also know that really in that part of the world, those people are actually very, very oppressed. And most of them see the bankruptcy of Islam. That's why some of the greatest revivals in the world are happening in the Middle East. And so we need to be praying for those folks. Yet in the midst of it, we see prophecy being fulfilled and that her enemies being as wood, hay, and stubble and Israel being as fire. And you see it, if you've seen any of the footage of the Iron Dome, it is phenomenal to see these enemies of Israel. And they're really enemies of Christ, uh, you know, launching, you know, at a 80, 50, 100 missiles at a time and them getting picked off as they're coming in. Again, Iranian missiles for the most part, so know that. Know that knowing the uh, administration from a year, few years, uh, you know, at a couple of administrations ago, you know, catered a deal with Iran and so forth and was pro-Iranian and not so much pro-Israel. And we know the current administration, you know, they're saying Israel has a right to defend herself right now, which is a good thing. Let's thank the Lord for that. But there are still leanings towards wanting to, uh, you know, get Iran out of those restrictions and so forth that they were put under. But I just kind of chuckled this past week. I didn't, you know, not at obviously not at the loss of life and so forth god doesn't take pleasure in the death of any not even the death of the wicked but you might have seen this it was like something out of the old testament something out of you know at uh, gideon's time when the 300 you know surrounded the enemies of god with nothing more than a pitcher and a trumpet and a and 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 you know with a torch and confused the enemy and they turned in on themselves uh you know at israel put out a report that they were invading Gaza and it caused, you know what, there's all kinds of tunnels over there and so forth. And it caused these uh, soldiers of Hamas to come out and show themselves thinking that, you know what, they are going to go and, you know, do hand to hand combat. And they didn't know that there was dozens and dozens of Israeli jets that were there to, you know what, uh, combat these people and implode so many of their tunnels and people are like this is like strategy that you know it is rarely used today and is really genius what was going on and whether they know it or not listen this is God's intervention because these things are prophetic 
And this isn't a, an endorsement of war. There are some wars that are righteous. I believe there's a righteous cause there, especially when God deeds you a land and the Bible speaks of these things. It's not that we look down on any life that's lost. Again, we pray for these individuals and even in this, praying for people in Israel because for the most part, that country is a secular nation. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. I have personal friends in Israel that one that knows the Lord and others that don't know the Lord that I've met from there. I'm praying for them by name, that these things would open their eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ. So in all of it, we should step back and absolutely take note because the Lord said, when you see the fig tree bearing fruit, and that's a symbol of Israel, know that our redemption draws near. And uh, absolutely as well, we want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There's a blessing found in that. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pro-blessing and God is faithful to his promises and to those commands in scripture. So let's take note of that because there are a lot of people. I saw, a, 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 you know what, a, a, a blogger the other day. This guy says he's a pastor and whatnot. And he said, you know, it's, it's why is it every time there's some issue going in Israel that we got to drag the Bible into it? And it's like, what are you talking about, dude? Like you're a pastor. Why do we got to drag the Bible into this? It's like, Maybe you should open up and read it, and it will show you why we drag the Bible into these things. But, you know, it just shows the hardness of heart and the ignorance. Because Scripture says, the Word of God in Romans, do not be ignorant concerning Israel. And it goes on to talk of how all Israel will come to salvation. And this is why it's a matter that comes up, up often. And really, Israel is, is probably, you know, as far as signs and so forth, absolutely one of the you know, greatest signs that we are near the coming of the Lord, her regathering, and so many fulfilled prophecies over in Israel. I mean, uh, prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, just in the last 100 years, uh, the last 70 years, the last 50 years, prophecy still unfolding, I mean, is, is phenomenal. And then so, you know, we see that continuing on, and we want to respond biblically in that, and hopefully I touched on that. And then we look right up north to us in Canada. And man, I know I talked about this a lot. Keep praying for that nation. Pray for your brothers and sisters up in Canada because they're under some persecutions that are very heavy right now. And again, I know even with that, there are so-called Christians that are even scoffing. You know, the idea that Canadian Christians are being persecuted and are having, again, their God-given rights uh, you know what, uh, you know, an, an effort to come against those things. And I want to tell you tonight, you know, you look at these countries like China and these other nations where they are, they got there in part because of how things are going on in Canada. Listen, it's stepping stones and so forth. And this past week, there was a third pastor that was arrested up there for, for simply having church and people gathering together to worship the Lord. And, you know, they're saying now that, you know, it, however you feel about vaccinations and so forth, uh, you know, it, I think you know how I feel about that. And, you know, it, there might come a point when it's a deal that, that you, everyone's situation is different and so forth. And, and so we don't want to be something where that divides us. We should absolutely use wisdom and so forth. But listen, that country up there is saying now until 75% of their population is vaccinated they're going to keep locked down the way that they are these people aren't even being allowed to go out of their house they're getting arrested if they're out at night like past eight o'clock and none of this is based in truth none of this is based in in real science and so forth and you know what i could talk all day long about the statistics and so forth and the studies and you know just just what is even happening with uh you know, a lot of these things they're implementing and so forth. But, you know, my main thing in that is Jesus talks about persecution against his church. And he says, you're going to be hated by all nations. And we're beginning to see a great increase in that, even in Western nations that are supposedly nations built on the idea of a freedom of religion and gathering together and worshiping God. So let's be praying for our brothers and sisters up north as well as around the world and, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, when I look at our country, and I already mentioned the 
one pastor that I saw online, you know, why do we have to drag the Bible, you know, out every time there's something with Israel? And then another one basically trying to scold all the pastors that do talk about lockdowns and, you know, what mask and COVID and all this and, you know, saying that, you know what, uh, the, the last thing people want to hear in your congregations is your opinion on these things. And I just thought, you know what, if the people in your church don't care about what the pastor thinks about those things, I think that pastor's failed in his job. You know, it, it's something that obviously um, these things do need to be addressed. These things are affecting people. These people, the, these things are oppressing people. People are trying to figure out how to deal with these things. It's on all these different levels and so forth that are coming in. How to even deal with a neighbor that, that, you know what, embraces those things versus people who don't. And listen, we've tried to, all of this, and all of this put the gospel first and put Jesus first. But listen, the, 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 these things have to be addressed from the pulpit. You need to know that. And you look at the history of our country, you look at really through the scriptures, uh, you know what, God's word calls us to absolutely address issues of the day and compare them to the word of god and so forth and it just grieves me to you know let see that kind of counsel trying to be thrown out there when you know this whole past year it's been amazing how so many people have even come in here and they've said man i just felt so relieved it was such a blessing a lot of people even visiting from out of town saying I just needed to be in a place where things seemed to be normal, even just for a couple hours. And, and even to have classrooms open for my kids. My kids need that desperately and so forth. So listen, these things have been addressed. They'll be addressed. They'll continue to be addressed. We're going to make it our aim to do it biblically, to deal in truths and so forth. But it just saddens me that kind of, you know, a scolding from an ignoramus. And I'll just call the guy what he is and... I, I won't even say his name because none of you even know who he is. So uh, it's a no name trying to make a name and so forth. And at the end of the day, really, the only thing we need to be concerned of is how our name looks before the Lord and so forth. And I, I do know this, that God doesn't take pleasure in cowards. And I just think it's a cowardly stance and so forth. So um, with that said, you know what, let's read the text here tonight that's before us. I probably spent too long talking about that already because we got about 10, 11 verses and that might not seem like a lot, but boy, there's a lot here. There's a lot to unpack, a lot to look at in these letters to the churches. Uh, we've looked at, again, the church of Ephesus, which was commended for standing in truth and testing those that say they were apostles and were not, yet the Lord rebuked them and said, you've left your first love and you need to return to your first love, speaking of his person. And then we looked at the church of Smyrna, which was a persecuted church. And the Lord encouraged them to keep pressing on, even in the midst of the persecution, and talked to them about how the devil would throw them into prison for 10 days, but the Lord would go before them. And then last week, we looked at the compromised church. And we saw some, you know what, encouragements given and so forth, but we saw that those were there, there, there were some there that didn't necessarily subscribe to false teachings and the teaching of Baal or of, of Balaam and the Nicolaitans, but they allowed it. They just allowed it to happen. They didn't say anything. And just talked about that so prevalent even in the church today where there's such gross false teaching in so many quarters of Christianum, and yet there are so few that will actually stand up and say, wait a minute, this, this doesn't line up with the Scriptures. And they don't do that thinking that that's not a loving thing to do. But the last time I looked, warning someone from danger and, you know what, a shepherd keeping wolves out of the flock and saying not here, that seems pretty loving to me. And yet we see a rebuke from the Lord given to those that allow such things to happen. And it kind of falls in line to what we're going to look at tonight, this church of Thyatira. Again, these are all churches in Asia Minor in modern day Turkey. And we're going to see with this church, the Lord commends them concerning their works, their love, their service, faith, and their patience. And then he brings a rebuke to those there that were allowing Jezebel or a spirit of Jezebel to teach and seduce the church, teach them concerning sexual immorality and 
idolatry and so forth. And we see once again that there were individuals there and leaders in that church that didn't necessarily agree with those things, but they allowed it to happen. And I'll tell you, you know, you look at where we are as a country, it's really a reflection of the state of the church. It's the state of cowardly pulpits, getting away from God's word, getting more caught up in the experiential, getting more caught up in, you know what, materialism and trying to present Jesus as a slot machine in the sky who's here to make all your wildest dreams and come true and so forth versus opening God's word and teaching the word even knowing there's going to be times when God's word offends people the cross is an offense knowing that absolutely there's going to be times when you have to stand up and say this is not acceptable but we've come to this place where there's almost a free-for-all And an unwillingness to stand up against these types of matters. And we've seen these letters. God bringing great warnings that you can't allow these things to happen. There's consequences in it. And oftentimes there's a mindset of, well, you know what? I don't agree with that. Even though I see it going on all around me. That I'm free because I actually don't agree that. But it's it's not the case with elders and pastors and individuals that are in those places of leadership. And even in those things as well as individuals, we know the scripture in the Old Testament, it talks about false prophets and false teachers being allowed at times to test the people so that they would be tested. Are they going to stand in God's word and truth? Or do they want to just stand in a place where they want their ears tickled, their flesh appeased. And you know what? It's really exposing who their Lord is and what their desire is. Do we want God's word and truth? Or do we want something that, again, is just going to appease our flesh and our carnality? So that's a little bit of introduction. Let's read the letter in its totality. encourage you guys to follow along there, the scriptures and so forth in your notes. And then we're going to jump into this. And it's already 20 after i'm going to need to speed speed preach a little bit because i want to get through all of this but notice here verse 18 and to the angel of the church of thyatira write these things says the son of god whose eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass i know your works love service faith your patience and as for your works the last are more than the first nevertheless i have a few things against you because you allow that woman jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality, to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. And then notice here, at this point you think, well, he's just, you know what, yeah, it's a little warning. God doesn't play around. This is Jesus speaking. I will kill her children with death, You're like, are we in the Old Testament? No, this is the New Testament. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. Now the children here are the children of the doctrines and the teachings of Jezebel. That's what's being talked about. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Verse 24, now I say to you and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. And then notice verse 29. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches lord give us an ear to hear can we say amen to that now again notice uh, to the angel of the church of thyatira we've we've touched on this the last three weeks i won't spend a lot of time on it each of these churches we see there's an angel assigned to them and we've talked about spiritual warfare going on in the heavens we look at those pictures in daniel and ephesians and so forth and this shouldn't be something that causes us to step back and say oh yeah let's go seek angels and so forth But it should be something to stir up us up to remember we're soldiers in this battle as well. And God's called us to put on the armor of God. God's called us to be a people of his word. God's called us to be a people of prayer. And so we want to soldier up in that and draw near to the Lord knowing 
he'll draw near to us and as we submit to him and resist the devil he's going to flee from us now the actual city there of Thyatira I'm trying to give just a little background of each of these cities and these churches that were written to in these places we know that this was a military town Uh, the elite Roman guard was stationed there it was also a commercial city and a trade route and you know what some of these cities were known for certain things and others for other things and so we know this city again it had a strong military presence in it now what's interesting about this city is we see who i believe is the first convert that was from this city back in acts but it didn't happen in thyatira it actually happened in philippi and what's interesting is paul was desiring to go to asia minor minor we looked at this not long ago in acts and it says the holy spirit forbid him from going to asia minor and that's when paul got a vision of a man in macedonia saying hey come over and help us and paul ended up in a place of philippi a very godless place where they didn't even have a synagogue and you basically needed 10 males to have a synagogue and remember those jews and those gentiles that were god fearers they would go down by the river and they would worship and that's where paul went there to philippi and he came across a certain woman we read in Acts 16 14 named lydia and it says now a certain woman named lydia heard us she was a seller of purple from where from the city of thyatira who worshiped god and then notice it says the lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by paul And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she pursued us, or she persuaded us, sorry. Very interesting. Paul was wanting to go to Asia Minor. God says, No, you're going to go to Macedonia. He goes to Macedonia. And the first person we see get saved is a woman from from, uh, Asia Minor. I mean, isn't God awesome in how he does things? And no doubt. As she, again, dealt with commerce and so forth in this commercial city, I don't think it's by chance that nothing in the Word of God is by chance that we're told she's from this place. I would have to think that her and her household eventually went back to Thyatira with the good news message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, historically, as we've seen these churches seem to line up with the history of Christendom leading all the way up to Laodicea, that seems to be a pretty good picture of the church today. Many believe that this is also a picture of the church during the Dark Ages, 600 A.D. up to 1500 A.D. And that was a time when there was sadly a great increase of paganism within Christianity and a, you know, a, 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 an effort to even suppress God's word by the hierarchy and so forth. Uh, interesting in this time, this is when you begin to see, uh, you know what, pictures and paintings and so forth of saints and of jesus and you notice how they always have a halo you need to know something a halo is not a biblical thing that's associated with the worship of the sun it's associated with apollo the sun god and what you begin to see happening at a great level during that time was again a mixture of paganism and christianity that was really being allowed to happen through the church in Rome and Roman Catholicism. And as I mentioned last week, listen, when I talk about these things in church history, that's not being said to try to, you know what, uh, to, to, to come against a Roman Catholic, but to absolutely speak about the system. And listen, believe me tonight, there's going to be plenty about Protestants too, and Protestantism, I probably didn't even say that right. But we got to stand things in truth. And what you had again when Constantine supposedly got converted again we talked about this last week as christianity was exploding in rome he recognized that they needed to change things remember it says in history he looked up and he saw the sun and he saw a cross in it and next thing he said i'm a christian and you know this is a christian nation but really what happened is he began to mix in greatly paganism with christianity where now you got i think there's enough in roman catholicism that if someone just gets the word out of it and christ's death and resurrection they can get saved but if you look at their catechisms and so forth listen there it's it's rank heresy it's a works-based gospel that is not scriptural and again there's many supposedly evangelical churches that do the exact same thing that makes it works-based but in that time again 
you see a great mixture of paganism. And this time as well is when the Catholic Church started to deify and to worship Mary and to start to present her as the Queen of Heaven. Mary herself, you know, in Luke 1, as she's giving praise to God, speaks of that which has been conceived in her womb, Jesus being her Savior. And the last time I check, who needs a Savior? Sinners. It's an omission that she was a sinner. And though Jesus always honored his mother, listen, he never acknowledged her as anything more than his mother here on earth. He always gave her respect. But at one point in Matthew, her and his brothers are looking for him. And they said, your mother's outside. And basically says, who's my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here's my mother and here's my brother's. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. He didn't say, oh, this is the Queen of Heaven. Everyone bow down and worship. And by the way, she's a co-redeemer. And yet that got introduced, and really it got introduced to appease pagans. Because we've seen, and we've seen this in Acts, and you see throughout the Word of God, and it goes back to, you know, the scattering of those nations in Babel, that Nimrod's wife, Semiramis, set herself up as a queen of heaven. And we saw that spread out to really the four corners of the earth. You find this in almost every pagan ancient system where there was a worship of a queen of heaven. We saw recently in Ephesus, remember, the, they, they worshiped Diana of the Ephesians, who was the queen of heaven. And you see passages in the Old Testament, like in Jeremiah 7, where even the Israelites fell into adultery, and it says they were worshiping the queen of heaven. We're going to get into Jezebel in a second, and the seduction that she brought, and even the idolatry. And it seems that historically, that is a picture of the queen of heaven being brought into the church, when absolutely this is found nowhere in the word of God. We only read of the Father God, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So throw that out there to you guys as we go through this. And in fact, it's interesting, even the next verse says, these things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet burn like brass. You know, this is the only place in Revelation where Jesus refers to himself or he's referred to as the Son of God. I kind of find that interesting. Again, in this time where you got a Jezebel running around in the church, and you can very easily make the connection historically to the queen of heaven. There's an emphasis, by the way, this is the son of the father God, not the son of the queen of heaven. And then we're reminded here of what we read earlier of a description of the Lord. And it's good for us to be reminded of this, that the son of God, Jesus Christ, he has eyes like the flame of fire and his feet are like brass. And let's remember that. Again, Hebrews 4.13, it says, there's no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Listen, the Lord sees everything. Nothing escapes him. Not only does he see every sin we commit, hear everything that we say that, you know, it is an offense. And if we really stack that up, there's a lot there, man. The tongue, you know, the tongue is just, you know, how many times were we even like, you know, it, uh, you know, it kind of slightly boasting of ourselves and fudging of the books. But listen, he even knows the internal thoughts and the lust of the hearts and all those little jabs and so forth, all those things. Listen, he sees it all. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Listen, for me tonight, that's a great encouragement to rejoice in the finished work of the cross that my sins are covered by the shed blood of the Lamb. But also know that the Lord wants me to be set apart for him. And God knows what's going on in my heart. And so I don't want to lie against the truth when I know that I am making provisions for those things versus coming to the Lord and saying, God, you know that I'm a wretch. I need your help and I need your aid. Even knowing that the Lord with those eyes of flame of fire, listen, that could be a fire of judgment or that could be a fire of empowerment to help us to abound to the Lord. The word fire, it's the word pur in the Greek and it means to purify. And I want to be in the place where I'm saying, Lord, purify me versus being in a place where Here's the eyes of the Lord, hide me. Again, his feet were like fine brass. These are the same feet that were pierced upon the cross. These are the same feet when they were pierced on the cross. Satan bruised his heel, but praise God, those feet crushed his head. And 
Later on in Revelation 19, and we read about this in other places, Isaiah 63, those feet are going to trample the nations at the end of this age when they gather together, actually believing they're going to overthrow the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know that, listen, there's a group of elitists in this world, and it doesn't take a lot to begin to see who they are because they speak with signs and symbols and so forth. And these individuals believe that Satan is actually good and Jesus is actually bad. They teach that Lucifer fell from heaven to, you know what, make a way for man and to show that rebellion is a good thing. They embrace darkness, but they say when you embrace darkness and hedonism, you actually embrace light. You know what, you've heard the term Illuminati before. It comes from those things. It's tied deeply into most secret societies and so forth. And you're like, oh, tinfoil hat time. You know what, now these things are talked about in the scripture. It says the whole world is under whose sway? Whose sway? Joe Biden's? No, the sway of the wicked one. Under the sway of the wicked one. And Psalms 2, it says they conspire together against God Almighty. And you need to know when this beast system is fully you know, it, uh, put into place in Revelation, it's going to be these individuals believing that they are going to defeat Jesus Christ once and for all, but his feet are going to trample them. It's absolutely how it's going to go down. Verse 19, the Lord says to these folks, I know your works, love, service, faith, patience. As for your works, the last are more than the first. And it's interesting, historically, many line this up with the dark ages. And yet, listen, the light of the world sees it all. He saw, his, saw their works. And so nothing escapes him. He saw their love. Interesting, again, Ephesus was commended for their doctrine, and yet they wavered in love. We'll see Thyatira, it wavered in doctrine, but they were committed for their love. And I'll tell you something, love and truth always need to go hand in hand. You isolate them from each other, that's problematic. We're told in Ephesians 4.15 to speak the truth in what? Speak it in love. Speak it in love. We also see that the Lord knew of their service. And let's remember, we've been saved unto good works. God's called us to be about his business, to be serving others, to be about the business of the Lord Jesus Christ. He commended them for their faith. Again, this remnant group, and we'll see he makes a distinction between these two groups in this church. This was a remnant group within Thyatira who held on to faith in Jesus as well as they took steps of faith in their Christian walk. And then he also commended them for their patience. And we know Smyrna was persecuted more than the other churches because the Lord addresses it very clearly. But all these churches at different times, you know, in the time this was written and historically faced different persecutions and trials and afflictions. And the Lord commends this part of that church that were patient. They didn't get anxious. They rested in the Lord despite the difficulties at hand. And listen, with all those points there there's even scriptures there in your notes i don't got time to read all of those tonight but they're there they're things we've looked at before and then i love this he says as far as your works the last are more than the first and i rejoice in that because listen so often that's not the case with individuals so oftentimes there's individuals when it comes to serving the lord that time goes by and they begin to fall by the wayside listen as a soldier for christ you need to know this here on earth there's no retirement plan. We're called to serve the Lord until the day that we die. <laughs> There's so many people that get saved and they, they sprint that first mile and you're like, that's an on-fire Christian. And I praise God for on-fire Christians. But in the midst of that, oftentimes they move into a place when they recognize there's mile two, then mile three, and there's a marathon in front of me. And before you know it, they're sitting on the side of the road. There's many others that, again, they're like the seed that fell on the thorny soil. It says in Matthew 13, 22, it says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And how many individuals are there that, again, they receive the gospel, they're excited. And listen, I'll tell you something about following in the Lord. Oftentimes, there's blessings that come from that monetarily. A lot of times people start living their life 
the way God has called them to live their life. And it's not something that we are to pursue those things, but God likes to bless his people. And you don't want to be in a place when those blessings start to come that you get consumed with the blessings over the blesser and the cares of the world and the deceitful of ri- deceitfulness of riches, they begin to choke out your walk with the Lord. God wants us to be in a place where our works are more at the end than they are at the beginning. And then there's others, they get burnt out or they, you know, they say they got hurt or they got wounded. And like, I didn't sign up for this. Then listen, you got to read the word of God because your savior was burnt, hurt and wounded upon the cross. And it's going to happen. It just is. And we got to ask the question, what am I going to do when that happens? Am I going to let that sideline me? Am I going to let that get me bitter? Is that going to, you know, it caused me to tap out? Or am I going to take those sayings to the Lord and Savior who died on the cross for my sins, who says, come and cast all those cares upon me and bring them to him and watch God do something good, even through those trials and tribulations and those persecutions and so forth. God wants to do that in our lives. And if that description of you tonight, any of these things are, man, I can't encourage you enough to draw near to him. And there's even others that, you know what, they live on the glory of the past. Oh, back then we had that revival, you know. Back then there, and it's like, what's going on now? What's going on in your life right now? I mean, Moses warned the Israelites when they collected that manna not to leave it till the next day because it's going to breed worms and it's going to stinketh. And when we're in a place where we're just living kind and glorying on yesterday's manna and so forth, it starts to stinketh real quickly. And I want to glean from this, and I want to check my life. As a church, I want us to step back and say, are we abounding more in works and evangelism and an effort to reach this community for the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer groups and ministries and so forth? Again, not out of doing to try to get favor from God, but out of the privilege to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He commends them in this. Now notice verse 20, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. And notice because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. She ain't no prophetess, she calls herself a prophetess. Description of many a person today. To teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality, and to eat things sacrificed to idols. So as good as all those things were, the Lord says, I have these things against you you allow this it's not even necessarily that they agreed with it they didn't necessarily even agree that this was a prophetess they didn't agree with you know what the teaching that brought a seduction and brought forth sexual immorality and idol worship and so forth but they allowed it They probably said something like this. Hey, you know what here in Thyatira, we want to be known for what we're for, not what we're against. We talked about that last week. And that's the motto of many a church today, many a pastor, even many a follower of Jesus. I just want to be positive about everything. I want to be known for all the good things that I'm for and praise God for that. But boy, I don't want to be known for what I'm against. So I don't speak about against anything because I don't want to be considered judgy. Yet the word says, he who is spiritual should do what? Judge all things, starting with ourselves. Starting with the log in our own eye. Starting with inspecting our own fruit first. Inspecting our doctrine. Again, we're committed to pay attention to our doctrine. In doing so, we will save ourselves as well as our, you know, those who hear us. But there's this idea, and it's been pushed greatly today, that you're fine and just allowing whatever and there's a free pass in it. And yet we see from the letter last week and this one, that's not the case. You can't just let Christendom become a free for all. God has raised up pastors and elders and individuals, you know, at, in church leadership and so forth that are supposed to be shepherds. And shepherds are supposed to look out for sheep. And they're supposed to identify wolves and not just step back and go, oh, look at that wolf over there. It looks bigger than the rest of them. You know, I can see the zipper and so forth. And yeah, some sheep are going to get eaten up and so forth, but I don't want to, you know, upset the sheep and so forth. That's not a good shepherd. That's a hireling what that is. Or it's a shepherd himself that's a wolf in sheep's clothing. There is a call to stand up and call out and put out false teachers and false doctrine. Ephesians 5.11 
have no fellowship with the unfruitful, unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, again, if you're sitting here right now and go, I don't, I don't like how this is going. I don't like how this is trending here right now. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, the Lord says to them, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow this false prophetess to seduce and to bring false teaching. You're like, well, that was for Thyatira back then. That's not for us. No, he who has an ear. That's the Lord talking to everybody. This was written for us here tonight. God's word is eternal. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Now listen, I don't got a lot of time to go deep into Jezebel. Probably the mention of Jezebel, everyone knows to a degree, yeah, that's not good. (laughs) Jezebel is one of the most rank, you know what, haters of God, and I'll just call her what she is, witches that you're going to find in Scripture. She married a man named Ahab who was king of Israel, and it says about Ahab in 1 Kings 16.31, it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, as he took his wife Jezebel. And it talks about them serving Baal and worshiping these idols and so forth. Jeroboam was the standard of wickedness for the kings of Israel. And it says for Ahab, that was a trivial thing. It's like, you know what, you think he can do good? You think he's evil? You know what, let me at it. Watch what I can do. Kind of that saying, you know, hold my beer. Let me go at it right here. And there's probably plenty of drinking going on with all these guys. In 1 King 18.4, it says, Jezebel massacred, massacred the prophets of the Lord. And we read about her after the showdown on Mark, Mount Carmel and, you know, the great victory that God brought through Elijah. Her saying, I'm going to go and destroy Elijah, this great prophet of God. And listen, she, she had such a deception about her and moved so deeply in the depths of Satan and remember, he commends those that don't know the depths of Satan and Thyatira that Elijah himself got weird in his head and he went and ran, ran to hide from her. This guy, they just called fire down from heaven on like, I think it's all together, 900 false prophets. And a revival breaks out and then rain comes after three and a half years of it not raining. And then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And he tucks tails and he, and he runs. And then he keeps saying, oh, I just wish I would die. Well, then let Jezebel kill you. But he really didn't want to die. And praise God, the Lord met him where he was at. Aren't you glad God meets us where we're at when we have a, you know, at a crisis like that? He doesn't say, oh, I'm done with this guy. In 2 Kings 2, or 9.22, it says that she, the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. So she's almost like a mother of harlotries and, again, witchcraft. And this goes on and on. It began, eventually there's a prophecy of how she will die and a rebellion and is fulfilled and so forth. And yet her name comes up again in Scripture and really it is a spirit about her. It is a, it's really a spirit of witchcraft, of false teaching, of, of carnality and so forth, really trying to be packaged in a picture that is supposed to be spiritual and of God and so forth. Notice, she calls herself a prophetess. God didn't call her a prophetess. Just because someone says they're a prophet doesn't mean they're a prophet. They say they're a prophetess doesn't mean they're a prophetess. In fact, the Bible says to test them. One way you test that is if what they prophesy comes about 100% of the time, they're a prophet of God. Very few individuals that say, hey, I'm a prophet or a prophetess, that's the case. So what are we going to do? Are we going to have an ear to hear what the Spirit says? Oh, yeah, I'm going to fudge the books on this one because I really like what they're prophesying. Please go read Deuteronomy 18.22. What are you going to do with that? You're going to have an ear to hear? Or are you going to say, Pastor Steve, I don't like you saying this because, you know, those people are good people and a lot of things they prophesied. Yeah, it didn't come about, but they're a prophet of God. They said they're a prophet of God. Sucker's born every minute. Dude, get some street smarts here. Proverbs is how long you simple ones going to love your simple ways. You're going to deal in realities. You're going to stand in the word of God. Or some experiential thing that makes you feel good. What are you going to stand in? She called herself a prophetess. In Deuteronomy 13, it even talks about these people. Even if their dream comes true, if they say, let us go after other gods, you know they're a false prophet. Is it doctrinal what they're saying? What they're promoting? And so forth? If it's not, it's false teacher. And notice, she taught and seduced my servants. There's some big problems here. 
Now, there might be some individuals that don't like what I'm going to read next. If you don't like it, your problem is not with me. It's not with me. It's with the Lord. 1 Timothy 2.12, do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over man, but be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgressions. Now, it's not to say that a woman can't prophesy. We see that in Scripture. It's not to say that women don't have a phenomenal role in God's kingdom. Absolutely, women do. It's not that men are better than women. Men and women have different roles. And we see this Jezebel being in a place of being a prophetess over the entirety of the church versus it being a woman of God teaching women and serving the entirety of the church in a role for a woman. But the scripture says a woman should not have that place as a pastor, an elder, or a teacher of men. And it's not that men can't learn from women. They absolutely can. But this is talking in a local congregation. I don't don't like that, though. This is what God's word says. Adam was for first, then Eve. God has an order. Men are called to be the head of a household. And you need to know what a woman stands up as an elder or pastor in a church Every time she goes into the pulpit, and listen, there are some women with gifts of teaching that are some of the best gifts in the world. She's teaching a lesson, though. She's saying, women, go home and roll the roost in your home. It's a lesson taught every time. Because teachers and pastors don't just teach by what comes out of their mouth. You know how else they teach? By the way they live their lives. And they are being watched. So she taught... And she seduced. Second Peter talks about these false prophets in verse 3. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. And she taught them to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. This is paganism. Again, we've talked about this in deep detail. I have scriptures for you tonight that talk about sexual relations that are sanctioned by and approved by God. It comes down to one woman and one man in holy matrimony. (laughs) Hebrews 3, 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. This is real simple. Talks about lusting in the heart. And then Jesus even said in Matthew 5, 32, he who divorces his wife for any reason other than sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who's divorced commits adultery. That's rarely talked about in the church today. Now, I know there's a lot of people before Christ, listen, they divorce, they remarry. Is that to say, oh, do I divorce my new husband? No, the Lord will want you to reconcile that before God, amen? God's very gracious and merciful. Listen, if he wasn't, we'd all be in trouble here tonight. The fact this ground would open right now and swallow us all up. In 1 Corinthians, it talks abandonment as well as a cause for divorce, which really both of them are the breaking of the covenant made before God. But I'll tell you, these things right here, they're rarely talked about today from the pulpit. They're rarely preached. They're rarely instructed. There's all kinds of leeways given concerning these things and so forth. That's a spirit of Jezebel is what that is. Oh, no, Steve, that's legalism is what that is. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You can listen to God's word. You can listen to a Jezebel spirit. They allowed it to happen. Do I got time to mention this or not? (laughs) Listen, I'll give you an example of a Jezebel run in a muck probably to the greatest degree that's happened in the last hundred years. Some of you guys ain't going to want to hear this. It's going to be offensive maybe to some folks here tonight. But as I prayed about this, this came to my mind. There is a woman pastor who has a spirit of Jezebel, probably unlike few that have ever walked on this earth. I wrestled with, do I want to name names or not? Because sometimes I name names and certain people have meltdowns and so forth. Please do your research. I thought, well, should I not name names? And then people will be curious, and maybe they'll go look on their own. But I don't know. What do you want me to do here? (laughs) Listen, I'm saying this to show a great example of this. And these are public figures that say public things. 
And in that case, these things need to judge publicly. Jesus named names. You see the apostles naming names in epistles. There's a woman named Paula White. She's a word of faith pastor, which is a doctrine of witchcraft. You put faith in your words, you create your own future. It is witchcraft to the core. It's all over Christian television, the money preachers, all these guys preach it. It is witchcraft. It's you imagining what you want, putting faith in your words to create your future. It's grossly demonic. And it's all over the place and it's saturated Christianum to a great degree. Because what it does, it promotes idolatry. It promotes the worship of materialism and so forth. It's painting God as, again, the slot machine in the sky. And putting faith in your words and there's a command of God. This woman goes so far to even say God can't do anything that you don't basically allow him to do through your words and so forth. Now listen, this is all public and so forth. This woman co-pastored a church with her husband. I believe his name was Randy White. They divorced while in the pastorate for no biblical reason. He went to start another church, and she stayed as the pastor of that church. That's teaching sexual immorality, 100%. After there, listen, she was seen coming out of a hotel room with a South African heretic named Benny Hinn holding hands together while he was married. I'll just leave that for what it is. Then she started dating a secular rock star from the group Journey while he was still married to another woman. They eventually got married, and from the pulpit, from her pulpit, he promoted the watching of pornography for the couples in their church to put a spark in their marriage. Listen, in 2016, Russell Moore, who is about as loosey-goosey as you get, he just left the Southern Baptist Convention to join the staff of Christianity Today. In 2016, he said, quote, Paula White is a charlatan, and recognized by a heretic by every orthodox Christian of whatever tribe. And the reason he had the integrity to say that at that time because of the gross damage that this was doing to the body of Christ. Because these actions harm people, they destroy marriage, and so forth. And this individual has never repented of any of these things. Now something happened. The 45th president was elected, And somehow, and I don't want to get into him and so forth, but she became his top spiritual advisor. There were others as well, but she was number one. And I found it interesting as so many in the church were concerned when they heard of witches getting together to curse our president. I thought, he's got a witch that is his number one spiritual advisor. How many of you guys prayed for that during his term? I pray for it often because she has a spirit of Jezebel. You're like, you're judging her heart. No, I'm judging the actions. That's a righteous judgment. I'm judging the doctrine. I'm judging the fruit. This is rank wickedness of such a high degree. There were other advisors as well to a lesser extent. And listen, I'll be gracious to those individuals. There's some sound guys in there, but for the most part, it's a who's who of false teachers and so forth. But I'll be gracious even in saying, you know what, maybe they were in a place where they would say nothing, just, you know what, in the hopes that if our president needed counsel and sound counsel, they would be asked and they could give that counsel. Again, it's a secular situation and so forth. Though it might be, you know, at a heads up, hey, that's a witch might be in order if you want to do someone a solid. But listen, as time went by, these men, in every aspect, again, of Christian orthodoxy, who knew this was a Jezebel, eventually began to turn and began to promote her as someone who's of God, allowing it to happen. I'm going to read you four quotes. Don't, please don't have a meltdown if one of these guys is your guy and you view them as an untouchable. Because all this, again, is documented. This is rank witchcraft. I have to wonder if, You know what, things went the way that they did in part because of this, and maybe these pastors not stepping up and saying something. Who knows? And this is not in any way, you know what, trying to to tear down our nation. Listen, the guy I voted for didn't win. I agree with a lot of his policies, but this is very problematic, especially when there were other spiritual advisors around him that were supposed to 
give spiritual advice. But listen, Dr. Robert Jeffers, he's often here on Jam Arkell's program. My friend Paula White has a wonderful new book releasing tomorrow about God's power to transform lives. Read something greater and give it to anyone looking for hope. Robert Jeffers allowing and promoting a prophetess, a Jezebel, Jack Graham. My good friend Paula White has written a new book which releases tomorrow. It's powerful. I highly recommend it. Almost sounds like a press release that was put before him. Kind of sounds the same. And then Greg Laurie. Honestly, I was not sure to think when I first met Paula White. Clearly, we differ in some areas of theology. Yet I found her to be gracious and humble. I'm glad she has taken the time to write down her amazing life story. It will give you hope. That's double speak if I ever heard it. I don't agree with her theologically, but I met her. She's, she's, well, yeah, you'd think that about Jezebel if she showed up here tonight. She's a deceiver. Allowing it. Go read it. Please, do, do I need to go back over? Because some of you guys look like deer in headlight right now. Her and her husband were pastors, divorced, no biblical cause, and they both went to pastor other churches. I mean, this is, this, in, in the marriage right now, it's an adulterous relationship. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. This is teaching the body of Christ. You wonder why where we are now? You wonder why our nation is where it's at? Franklin Graham, Paula White, has led an interesting life and now serves as a trusted advisor to Donald Trump. She has a new book coming out tomorrow that you might want to check out. By the way, that guy also says Jesus would uh, wear a mask and get vaccinated if he was walking around the earth today. I, I don't think he read the part about Jesus not following the guidelines of the Pharisees when it comes to hand washing as well as touching lepers. Last time I checked, that was a little more contagious than you know, a, 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 a cold with a bit of a cook, kick, kick to it. You guys wanted to hear it. Please pray for our nation. Pray for these individuals. Pray for the pastors that are in these places of, of, of you know, what influence. I don't know their hearts, but I know this. This is, this is this scripture right here played out. And again, it's easy to say we're in this place because all, you know, what the... You know, all these, all these individuals that are God-haters and so forth. What about the church and all of this? Are we so naive and ignorant to all these things? This stuff's all there. But people just go along whatever. And again, I just keep going back to Proverbs. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? It's time to mature past this. And listen, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this stuff to try to come off hateful or whatever. This is just true. This is a... an example of Jezebel run amok at probably the highest level you're going to find I pray for Donald Trump every day that he was our president I still pray him him, and by the way I pray for Joe Biden every day and Kamala Harris pray for their salvation I'm hoping right now God's even hearing my prayers concerning our dealings with Israel and so forth right now I'm rejoicing that they're saying Israel has a right to defend herself. I pray that that doesn't change. And I hope you're not a place saying, oh man, I don't want that. I don't want that to happen. I want, you know, there's people that start thinking that way. Like the people when Trump was in there, I just hope the economy crashes. What's wrong with you? I just wanted to implode. What? Why? People lose their jobs. People, people die from that kind of stuff. Can we please rise above that and not be so caught up in our guy that our guy becomes more than the guy, the Lord Jesus Christ? Don't get so caught up in an ideology. People start worshiping these people. We need to turn to Jesus Christ. Part of the problem is these people aren't held accountable because their group, you know, they even ignore stuff that's rankly wrong because if I say anything, the other guy might get in there. It's one of the big, it's, it's part of, anyhow, I'm on a rant right now. I'll just, I don't even know if I got time to finish. Listen, he says 21 I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Aren't you glad that God's gracious? He gives time to repent. If he didn't give time, we'd all be in trouble. He's giving those people time to repent right now. I pray that they do. Be that way towards others as well. So oftentimes people are ready just to cut someone off at the knees. Give them time to repent. Pray for them. And then he says, indeed, I'll cast her into the sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, and thus repent of their deeds. Our country's in a sickbed right now. 
I don't know if it says all of that, but I think it's a lot of things. Let's start by repenting of our deeds individually. Let's repent of our sins at Refuge Churches. You know, pray for our nation. Lord, forgive me and forgive us. Daniel prayed that way. And he says, those into the sickbed that committed adultery with her. In other words, walked with this false teaching into what? Great tribulation. A lot of people say, oh, there's tribulation. Then there's the great tribulation. That's in the second part of it. It's all great tribulation. And you begin to see in these letters a differentiating between real believers in these churches ones who aren't we'll get into that more later lord willing and then he says i'll kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that i am he who searches the minds and hearts and i will give to each one of you according to your works this is serious here i will kill her children again are we in the old testament no this is jesus christ speaking here is he talking about their little ones in context it's the spiritual converts to jezebel which seems to include those who just allow it. You're under the deception of Jezebel when you allow this stuff. And believe me, she is, and it is a deceiving spirit unlike few others. And all the churches will know it. In other words, listen, when my judgment comes, when my tribulation comes, you, you're going to know it. It's going to be, hey, what's going on here? You're going to know it. And now I say to the rest, again, seems to be a, 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 a separating to the rest, those that haven't been seduced by it, that allow it, that aren't partaking of it. And Thyatira, as many as do not have noticed this doctrine. Why are we got to talk about doctrine? Why are you got to talk about Bible verses? Why you got to? Because, listen, your doctrine is going to dictate your eternity. Do you know that? 1 Timothy 4.16 Take heed to yourself and your doctrine. Continue in them. For doing this, you'll save both yourself and those who hear you. Take heed to it. As many who don't have this teaching, and notice here, who have not known the depths of Satan. This is satanic stuff. As they say, I will put on you no other burden. The scripture says in Romans 16, 19, I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Are you more rooted in God's word and truth or is it things where you're just rooted in the wickedness of the world? Are you more familiar with the knowledge of God and knowing God or with the depths of Satan? Listen, the things of Satan are flourishing in this world today. They're all over the place. This is a fallen world under his sway. But I love it. I won't put another burden on you. Listen, don't overburden yourself tonight. Maybe even right now, this is, this is like, over, maybe you're just like, I'm overwhelmed. Anyone feel like that right now? I'm just overwhelmed. Oh. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. And then he says, but hold fast what you have till I come. He overcomes and keeps my works till the end. I will give him the power over the nations. What do we have tonight? What do we know tonight that can't be taken from us? The Lord Jesus Christ. Hold fast to the Lord. No matter what goes on in this world, we cannot be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Hold on till what? Till I come. Newsflash, he's coming soon. He overcomes. How do we overcome? The blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. We did not love our life till death. He overcomes and keeps my works till the end. I'll give him the power of the nations. We'll get into this later where the Lord will rule and reign for a thousand years. In fact, 27, it's going to be the perfect government. Jesus, it says here, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's field, as, also, as I has also received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. Morning star here is Christ, Revelation twenty-two sixteen. He says, I'm the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And I think about, you know what, darkness you know what, it, 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 it goes through the night, but joy comes in the morning. And finally, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you have an ear? You're going to hear. You're going to hear what the Word of God says, what the Word of truth says. This is real simple and real clear. We want to hear God's Word. Walk in the truth. It'd be real easy to kind of hurdle through this and not touch on this stuff and kind of downplay it. The Lord's not downplaying it. Let's not do it either.
out of love, let's be in a place where it's like, hey, got to say something sometimes. Got to cut some stuff out sometimes. I got to judge some things sometimes. In fact, again, judge all things. Please judge what I'm saying up here tonight. Judge it all. Test it all by God's word. We praise you, God. Give you glory. But thank you for this time out here and your great grace and mercy. And Lord, we do thank you. You give time to repent. If you didn't, Lord, we'd all be in trouble. And maybe there's some here tonight that don't know and you've been giving them time to repent. I hope and pray they do that tonight. The word of God says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Asking to be your Lord, it's not some cheap thing. It's asking Jesus to be the ruler of your life. He'll meet you where you're at. He wants to wash you and cleanse you and save you. Lord, bless our night here, Lord, of our fellowship. Lord, I thank you for these saints of yours. Shine your face on each of them. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.